All right, all right. David Newman, author of Do It Selling. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here to help me celebrate episode 100. Thank you for being here. Jeff, it's awesome to be here. And you don't look 100 years old, but congratulations. (laughs) Well, the show's 100 episodes old, but I guess it's really only two years old or a little over. But, uh, But thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, I'm sure you've read this stat that uh, less than 8% of podcasts get out of episode eight or something like that. Yeah. Um, I know Chris has those stats and I'd be remiss right now to say, um, David, you got to know Chris Stone from Cast Ahead in the pre-show a little bit as we got ramped up and the engines firing here. I couldn't have done this uh, without Chris and his team's help. So Chris... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for making the show great. The graphics, the music, the intros, the edits, all that stuff that happens that I just get to show up and do my thing uh, like the diva I deserve to be. No, just kidding. Um, No, but seriously, that's pretty much what I get to do is just show up. And Chris is fantastic. So thank you so much, Chris, for helping the show get to this point. Thank you. So, uh, David, you have... 300 episodes in. You've written three books. Uh, Do It Selling, I believe that's the most recent book, correct? It is. Yep. And so we want everybody to go get that who's listening and watching for sure. Um, David said, uh, you know, books are uh, the equivalent to goodness in life if you're a business professional and a leader. And so add some goodness and go get that book, Do It Selling. But, uh, you know, you're 300 episodes in to your own show, You've got three books in. We called the show Consistency and Milestones. And I feel for episode 100, it was an important topic to cover because being a consistent leader, I think that's probably one of the biggest skills you can have as a leader and even in sales uh, is that commitment to consistency. What say you? Oh my God, totally. Well, and I think especially... When it comes to marketing and sales and business development, one of the things that I always tell my clients and audiences is this needs to be boring. If your marketing and your sales are exciting and new and different, you are not doing it right because you're not putting in the reps. You're not practicing that level of consistency. You're not figuring out Where do I need to pivot? Where do I need to go five degrees left, five degrees right? How do I sharpen the game that I'm playing? And every sale rolls out differently. Every client comes to you through a different doorway. You're not sure what's working. You're not sure what's not working. So my friends, you know that you've mastered this as far as marketing and sales consistency when it actually becomes boring. Now you can say any... Any high performance sport, you know, basketball. Well, you know, if you're Michael Jordan, if you're one of the greats, uh, basketball is boring. It's never boring. It's consistent. It is driven by practice. So think of a high performance athlete, right? What are some of the principles? Show up in the gym, show up in the arena every single day. Practice, run, do drills, get coached. That's another thing that Jeff and I have in common. We are huge believers in coaching and getting coached and reaching out for help when you know that you're not playing your best game. 
all of those things are linked to consistency. Consistency drives momentum and momentum drives results. Yeah. Yeah. Love, love everything you just shared there. You know, I was, I had to catch up to your thought for a minute when you were talking about the flash and the excitement. I'm like, well, I know he's not saying to not go out and do things that get attention. But what you were saying is within those things that do get attention, understand why, yeah. understand where people are coming from. What was that itch that that flashy sale, that big promotion scratched? What was it that did that? Yeah. And um, and understand that so you can go back to that. You can have the flash, you can have the pizzazz, all that cool stuff, yeah. but you got to build up to it, right? You can't just come out one day and like, decide I'm going to be an entirely different marketer. Yes, exactly right. And when I say boring, I'm specifically boring to you, not boring to your audience, not boring to your prospects, not boring to your subscribers and fans and followers, but boring to you in that, oh, a hundred podcast episodes. Really? I have to do another podcast? Now, again, after 300 episodes, I don't feel that way. I'm looking very much forward to every single guest, including you, Jeff. So it was great to have you on. Uh, I love podcast guesting. I love podcast hosting. But my audience doesn't get bored with that. It's like, really? I've been podcasting since 2017. When can I do something different? As soon as you say, you know, I'm bored, it's not working, or well, it's not working is different. But when you say, I'm getting bored. I feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. That's consistency. Listen to those words. I feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. My friends, here's why consistency works. The people that heard it or saw it or listened to it the first time, uh, they forgot it already. They forgot nope. it. They need to hear it again. They need to see it again. They need to be reminded of the principles and practices and frameworks that you teach and preach and recommend in your business. The second thing is hopefully your audience is growing. So anywhere from 20 to 50% of your audience, you did it last year, 20 to 50% have never heard it before. Because when you said it last year or last quarter or last month, they weren't tuning into you. Right. So, do, you know, am I doing this again? Do I have to say this again? Do I have to repeat this again? Yes, but keep it fresh. Make it exciting to take the same principles that you're building your business around and you're building your leadership around and you're building your legacy around. Those are all principles that those things consist of and say it in a new way. Say it with a new frame. Say it with a new application of it, given something that's happening in the news or something that's happening in your industry or some turbulence or disruption or drama that's going on. So that's how we keep it fresh. We do not keep it fresh by changing markets, changing the message, totally throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So that's what I meant by boring is that quote unquote boring to you. And it's never really boring to us if we do it the right way, not boring to your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're uh, David, you're in the a fellow Philadelphian region to me, are you, uh, you reference basketball? Are you a football fan by chance? Uh, I am a fan of any home team that's doing great. How's that for hedging my bets? Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I'm a big Eagles fan. And when you talk consistency and boring stuff, I mean, right now, um, we've, we've got pretty decent blocking, but our tackling is a little, eh, yeah. you know, and, and it's like when you said you have to show up and you have to be consistent and those boring things matter. Like if Michael Jordan didn't come to the gym and practice as many free throws as he did and jump shots as he did and layups as he did and passes as he did, he wouldn't be the greatest of all time in basketball. Exactly right. Exactly right. And if, yeah, if you don't choose to show up and get those reps in and whatever your thing is, you're, you know, and, and you know, I think a lot of people look to be, look falsely aspire to be that, that goat level to a professional athlete, but there's a level by which you can be greatest of all time to those that are most important to you. Yes. Right. Big time. And so, some tips there to to impact that leadership, impact those you serve with what you sell. Well, so for the parents that might be watching, there's a saying about parenting that uh, don't be don't be upset if your kids don't listen to you. You should be really upset that they're watching you because as a mm. parent, we are modeling. We are modeling behavior. We are modeling language. We are modeling ethics. We are modeling the way to be in the world. You don't need to teach your kids that because they're watching you. And very similar to if you have a company, you've got a team, you've got suppliers, you've got vendors, you've got prospects, you've got customers. Uh, it's much less about what you say and it's much more about consistent behavior and consistent leadership and showing up consistently with heart and love and humanity and a level of grace and a level of forgiveness. Um, you know, one of my early, early sales mentors told me this about, about selling, but I think it applies to leadership just as much, if not more so. Uh, the quote was, you know, David, you're really, you're really obsessed about what it takes to be a better salesperson. Stop worrying about what it takes to be a better salesperson. Be a better person and more sales will come. And you can also flip that into be a, be a better person and you'll be a better leader, right? Be more empathetic. Listen more than you talk. Uh, understand and connect and relate to people who are in a different situation or come from a different uh, frame of reference than you do. And I think all of that is really the key to unlocking human-to-human -human leadership, whether that's leadership inside your company, leadership outside your company, leadership in the marketplace in general, leadership in your industry. Uh, think about all of the great leaders, all of the great CEOs, all of the great brands that are considered market leaders, they're generally driven by an ethos or a culture or a consistent stream of messaging, whether that's Apple or BMW or Amazon or, you know, choose the quote unquote big name company of your choice. You know what they stand for and you know what yeah. they stand against. And I think that's really important when it comes to consistency with leadership. Yeah. Yeah, a lot to uh, that we can dig into there. We'll uh, so we'll do it. You know, I 
as you were talking about the big companies, it, it dawned on me, you've got an amazing bookshelf behind you. And there was a fantastic book by Tony Shea from Zappos. And it was, oh, the title just went right off the top of my head. Delivering Happiness. That's it. Yeah. And it, da- it dawns on me. So fantastic book as a leader to <laughs> kind of really sum up everything you just said in that few minute segment. Um, but it dawns on me. What is the current state of Zappos right now? Like, I don't know that they're not, it doesn't seem to me that they're the juggernaut they once were, at least from my view. Well, so a few years ago, you know, Tony sold it to Amazon. And so now it's the vision of Amazon and there is no more charismatic leader like Tony Shea was. Mm -hmm. So now I guess you can say it's part of the Jeff Bezos empire or one of the sub empires that Jeff leads. But I I agree with you that they lost that charismatic leader that Tony's culture, Tony's leadership was the Zappos culture. And now it's sort of been absorbed into just another e-commerce brand. Right. And so I brought that up because I think people, you know, in my, in the in the retail industry that I'm in, you know, so listeners, watchers know that uh, I have a retail mattress store. Um, amongst doing my show here and the coaching consulting that I do under my big ticket life brand. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that that doesn't matter, that developing a culture and being that kind of a leader, that Tony Shea delivering happiness, creating culture, making that lead you to the customer and having the customer respond doesn't matter. A lot of folks, a lot of my peers within the furniture and bedding industry feel it's just about price and that it will always be about price. And that that's the only thing that matters. And, you know, there's some will go, some will go a little deeper and, and put a little bit of environment into place, but not so much. There are some great outliers like Mattress Mac down in Houston, Texas, that does great. Uh, there's Jordan's up in New England that does great. They have like literal IMAX theaters and roller coasters in their stores. So they're give, giving that experience. But so many just miss that. And and I think the point that I want to bring out here is how do we as leaders lean into building that culture? What consistency do we need to bring there? Because that's hard. It's hard to do it when you see your peers, you know, advertising 60 months, no interest and this discount or this tremendous sale or this tremendous event. And you're trying to say, hey, I'm building something special over here because it's meaningful to me, my customers, and my team. Yeah, for sure. How do we pull out some consistency ingredients there? Well, I mean, I think this also comes back not just to consistency, but to milestones. So, you know, looking at looking at where you have been, looking at where you're going, if your business is flatlining, right, and the next milestone looks a million miles away... So maybe you grew your store or your company from a half million to one million to two million to two and a half million, but now you're stuck at two and a half million. You got two and a half million dollar business last year, the year before that, this year, you're on track for that in the next 12 months. You realize that, you know what? I'm out of milestones. I'm out of growth and I don't know what to do to get to that next level. So Jeff, what you're talking about is simply making a choice. Do I want to be just another mattress store? Do I want to be just another coffee shop? You know, do I want to be just another accounting firm? Uh, If the answer is no, 
then you need to sit down with a blank piece of paper and do a clean slate exercise and say, okay, what do I want consistently in my business? And what milestones and markers will I put in place to know that I am getting there? And that you could, some people call that goal setting. I'm not a big believer in goals. I love milestones and I love the word targets. Here's why I love the word targets. I know, Jeff, you're a big hunter, so you'll appreciate this target. Mm -hmm. A target is not something that, well, you know, sometimes that's the target and, you know, I might hit it, I might not. It's like, no, the target, the definition is that's the thing you hit. A goal, it's way too easy to say, well, we had this goal, we had this milestone, but we didn't hit it. I guess it's okay. We'll move on. So there has to be some non-negotiables. I think milestones, yep. when I talk about consistency and milestones, consistent behavior with you and your team driven by a culture and driven by values leads to consistently hitting those milestones and targets. Now, you can't, you can't set, you know, wildly unrealistic, like we're going to go from two and a half million to 20 million in 12 months. But I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of companies make the mistake of setting goals that are too low and setting goals that might be like, ah, you know, let's, let's aim for 20% improvement. And I think we're a milestone that you put out in the future and a worthy, a worthy target starts at the 50% growth. And I almost wanted to say 100. So you're a $2.5 million company now, $2.5 million retailer. You want to get to 5 million, right? You want 100% growth or 2x the size of your company. So 2.5 million to 5 million. And again, that might not be in 12 months, but you have a vision now. You have a series yeah. of milestones and a series of targets a, you know what you're aiming for, and B, you can course correct, you can make adjustments, you can put guardrails and boundaries around what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And Jeff, I know you teach and preach this to your mattress store and furniture clients, discounting and price shopping, nobody has ever discounted their way to greatness. Let me correct that. One company has, one, in the history of the world, and they're called Walmart. And you can't out Walmart, Walmart. They're already there. They already own the bottom. It's our job to do everything we can to own the top. Yeah. Yeah. So much greatness there. Uh, we've got a couple of people tuning in. Dave Gatto. David, you would love David Gatto. So David Gatto's story is, is one of certainly uh, struggle turned into triumph. Gentleman who, uh, and, and this is his story he shared it publicly. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, sharing any secrets or anything, but this is somebody who, uh, you know, ran into the, uh, uh, prison system, got out literally uh, earthly possessions in one bag and consistently made good choices to do good things and serve people with the very skills he possessed, which were his two hands and his work ethic. And he went door to door doing some home, home improvement stuff, helping people, cleaning their gutters, mowing their yard, landscaping, concrete, fencing, whatever. And now owns a tremendous fencing company that's expanding like crazy. I love that I got to meet David Gatto a month ago, which I got to meet him by getting to a personal development event, getting outside of my comfort zone. 
which I think is great. That's a great lesson of the people that you can connect with and meet in life. So David, thank you for tuning in, man. I appreciate you. And then somebody else, a Facebook user, target versus goal. I love that. I'm so glad we went back to that comment because um, you're, you're right that David, the hunting analogy for targets is very important because if you're, if you're fuzzy with it, a lot of people think, oh, it's easy to hit a deer. They're so big or an elk or a bear. The reality is an ethical hunter, a consistent hunter, a hunter who's in it for the long haul of the game really has a target about that size on any given, on any given animal. Maybe a little bigger, maybe a little smaller, but not, certainly not the whole animal. Yeah. Because you want to, you want to hit the target in the right way. So it's an ethical, ethical event between you and the animal. I'm trying not to use certain words here because I know Facebook picks up algorithmically on audio. I can prove that we've had that happen in the past. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think everybody listening and watching gets what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I myself have had instances in the past where I've had to pass on things because the target wasn't there. Yeah. And it breaks your heart. But that translates to business. You, you sometimes have to pass on customers. You sometimes have to pass on opportunities. Sometimes you have to pass on people. Maybe they're a tremendous salesperson. But man, they come in and they are, they are going to just disrupt your culture. I'm sure you've run into that where there's been the, the, the uh, high energy, can close anybody salesperson, but bringing them into a company is really detrimental. Very much share so. that way. Very much so. Absolutely. Well, it's sometimes the best hire is the one that you do not make. And sometimes the best client is the one that you do not close. Uh, and again, that's part yeah. of having the boundaries and the guardrails and asking yourself, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze? If I hire this person, right? Because the cost of mishiring is enormous. And Jeff, I know that you, you help your clients with talent and pipeline and getting the right people to work in the company that have the right come from and the right ethical framework and the right skills and the right talents. Um, but think about, you know, if I bring on this client, and we always have red flags, always, 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 we have that mm -hmm. little inner spidey sense that's like, oh, hmm, I don't know. That comment, that question, that statement, little problematic, little red flag just went up. And this is true whether you're hiring a, an employee or whether you're prospecting for a new customer or a new client. We always see the red flags, always. And you ask any seasoned business owner, it's like, oh yeah, I saw the red flag, but I didn't listen to that little spidey sense, <laughs> little inner voice. And the little inner voice is correct approximately 100% of the time. If it doesn't feel right energetically, if, if it just doesn't add up, right, the personality, the fit, the attitude that come from, the worst thing you can do is bring that person into your business. Because if you have employees and you're hiring a new one, that employee is going to, is going to, um, not upset the apple cart. It's going to be the bad apple in the bunch. It's going to pollute. Right. That's the word I'm after. It's going to pollute the entire environment in which every one of your other employees comes to work every day. If you bring in a poor fit client, that is going to demoralize your team. The people that have to interact with that person, 
uh, overly demanding, micromanaging, perfectionist, asking for the impossible, second guessing, nickel and diming every invoice. You know the kind of customer I'm talking about. So sometimes the best way to hit our milestones and to maintain consistency with ourselves and with our business is saying no and putting boundaries and guardrails and really being protective of those boundaries and guardrails. This person we're going to welcome in to the to the employee team. This other person we're going to welcome in to our customer group, and they're going to be a joy to work with. They're going to be a force multiplier. They're going to be our next success story. This employee is going to be worth five times the bad employee because they are so committed. They're so bought in. They're all in on you. They're all in on the company vision. They're all in on your milestones and they will deliver like crazy. So it's literally, it's not a, hey, you know, 2x, 3x, it's 5x or 10x when you hire a great employee versus an average one, bring on a great client versus an average one. Yeah. Yeah, you are. I'm in 100% agreement with everything that you said because it's so important that we trust those senses. And, And I've been doing a lot of study, mostly for myself as of late, as I seek to improve myself as a person and as a leader. Um, and I think those those little red flags, those spidey senses, you know, I look for three, I, you know, I'm now looking for three areas. What's my mind telling me? What's the heart telling me? And what's the gut telling me? Yeah. And can you get all of those in alignment? And that might sound a little woo-woo to some people. So for all the, the manly men out there, how do you organize and stack this decision? And you need to look at three columns, your heart, your mind, and your gut. Okay. Um, it's okay to be in touch with yourself. You need to be it's what consistency is about, right? Because if you let one of those things get out of line, you break your consistency. Uh, as far as I'm concerned goes, Dave Gatto also says he uses uh, disc assessments and Colby's for hiring practice. That's a good one. You know, honestly, I'll, I'll full transparency. I think I've shared it on the show. I was, I was like, I looked at that stuff years ago. I was like, what? What's this? I'm the sales guy. I'm going to go sell. I had, a, I had a factory when I was on the wholesale side of the industry tell me um, I was referred by about eight or nine uh, customers of mine to represent this factory. And the hiring manager, the, the, the sales manager rather, was like, well, we have a little different process. We're going to put you through some tests and some things. I'm like, okay, well, sure, I'll go do it. What I don't quite understand. I thought you wanted somebody to go sell your furniture. I'll go do that. And uh, I was, I've, I've been and am a very high D and a, and a fairly high I, uh, as as I'm sure you could could assess, <laughs> right? And uh, and that in, that was in direct conflict with the company. I can I now know it. I've, I've since realized that, but. I now realize the value of those things. Um, So maybe let's talk on the value of meshing people on the team and, you know, the relationships that we have and recognizing within people that there's value in, in the disc profile, there's value in the S and the C within a company. Yeah. You don't need all D's or I's and, you know, so let's talk about that. For sure. Well, I think one of the things that most company founders, owners, presidents, the, most common hiring mistake is hiring people just like them, right? Oh, this guy, Jeff, I like him. He's no nonsense, cut to the chase, bottom line. Well, why do I like Jeff? Because I'm no nonsense. I'm cut to the chase. I'm bottom line. 
So whether it's Colby, and I love I love both Colby and Disc, they're because they both kind of share different different things. Uh, you can't have a company, a successful company, made up of all the same exact kind of people who think alike, have the same values, have the same uh, perspectives, have the same lens onto the world. So, uh, you know, there's a couple of different entrepreneurial operating systems out there. Yep. And uh, um, I, whether it's traction or some of these other ones, the, the idea is, okay, we have the CEO who's the visionary, and then we need the COO who is the implementer, right? Usually the CEO, founder, et cetera, is the super creative, right brain, 100 miles an hour, million, you know, million ideas. And then the COO or the number two behind that person is the left brain, the math, the metrics, the financials, the strategy, the grounding. Yep. Uh, the CEO can't do nearly as good a job without that COO in the wings. The COO, because yep. sometimes they've also run their own company, they're not nearly as effective without the creativity, the drive, the vision, the hundred ideas, the hundred miles an hour, that, you know, very entrepreneurial go, go, go energy. Uh, and then you look at every other function, right? You look at your HR people, you look at your finance people, you look at your CFO, your, uh, you know, chief human resources officer. All of these require different skill sets, different lenses, different come froms. If the hiring process is, I like her because she thinks like me. I like this one because he thinks like me. He says he uses the same phrases that I do. His body language is very similar to me. He dresses the same as me. You want to ask yourself, am I hiring for the role and for the, the capabilities and the fit and the competencies that this person needs different than my own? Or do I like this person because they're just like me? And if the answer is, you know, I like Jeff because he's just like me, I probably shouldn't hire Jeff because I would be a disaster for him. And, and he shouldn't hire me either yeah. because he would be a disaster for me. So, you know, looking at the behavior styles, looking at the, the come from, because that's really what Colby and Disc both do. It's what does this person value? Where are they strong? Where are they weak? Where can they tremendously add value? And what kinds of tasks or jobs should they never touch with a 10 foot pole? So, you know, you should really look at uh, getting along with and doing a great job with people who are wired different than you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, we are, we are rolling down the highway at 80 miles an hour together right now on these topics. I love it all. Uh, I am that exact. I was pointing to myself. So if you're listening to the show, you can see it. But if you're watching, which by the way, if you haven't grabbed on after a hundred episodes, we do this live every Tuesday at noon. Uh, on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So subscribe there or continue to listen on whatever podcast player you enjoy. But please follow and like the show. We'd love for you to do that. But I was pointing to myself as David was describing the uh, the visionary integrator uh, dichotomy. Really, that's prevalent more in uh, like the, the rocket fuel EOS scoring system. Right. I like to say I'm a visionary who's empathetic to integrators uh, because I can't succeed without them. Yeah. I know that about myself. I have that exact dynamic in my mattress store with my business partner, Ben. Um, 
he is that he is that amazing integrator and he's he's also the guy who has that the visionary skill that understands we have to drive forward you know uh, over the years i've been that leader who's like you know on any given idea i'm i'm like 95 yards downfield ready to score on the touchdown everybody else is at the other 5 yard line saying what the hell was the play Right, and I'm, like, and I'm looking back, like, what is wrong with you people? And that's the, that's what ex- that's what exists, right? And as yeah. you were as you were expressing it, I would I would drive home for anybody listening who would maybe want to, you know, uh, play point counterpoint with this conversation. If you just hire a bunch of David Newmans and a bunch of Jeff Chernakovos in your business because you like them, you, we like ourselves, right? <laughs> um, the problem is you got a bunch of visionaries. Hanging around. I don't know. I'm not sure your score, David, but, uh, you know, for me, you got a bunch of visionaries hanging around. You got a bunch of people who, who don't want to go swing the hammer, who can't swing the hammer, who don't like swinging the hammer, so to say. All of a sudden, you got people selling things. You can't have anybody fulfilling. You can't have anybody doing operations. You can't have anybody doing customer service because that's not my strong point. Right. And all of a sudden, you got a company that's just set up to fail. Yeah. And that growth, you're never going to get there. Yeah. You might be their top line, but every everything that's a gaping hole that you refuse to recognize, all your profit, your customer experience, that culture you're trying to build that we touched on earlier, just falls through the bottom of the bucket. Yeah. yeah. Could not agree yeah. more. Could not agree more. Uh, and then having a diversity of voices and opinions and perspectives even though from the founder, you're like, oh my God, guys, you know, you're on the five yard line, come up, catch up with me. Where you end up when you take in this diversity of different voices and perspectives is almost always a better decision that will lead to more consistency. Because the one thing a visionary is not is consistent, right? We are <laughs> ping ponging. Come all on, plays. Weird. I just read a book. I just came back from a conference. I have a new idea. And so having the team that anchors you and refocuses and helps you with, again, the consistency and, hey, is that going to move us closer to the milestone? Sometimes I say, you know what? You're absolutely right. It was a great idea, but either it's not for us or it's not now. And those are the two filters that I would encourage everyone to look at when you have like a bright, shiny idea or a new initiative or let's expand into this or let's start selling that. Is that in line with the consistency that you've worked so hard to build? Will that help you with the milestones? And is it, number one, maybe it's not for us. Maybe it's for a different company, right? It doesn't meet with our strategy. It doesn't connect with our strategy. So not for us or not right now. Does this make sense yeah. to do, but let's do it in Q3. Let's do it sometime next year. Let's do it two months from now when the new facility is all built out, whatever it is. So not for us and not now, two really important management filters when people from different perspectives and different um, disciplines in your company get together for a meeting of the minds. Yeah. No, I love that. And I'll add, um, you know, that, that understanding of different perspective, that understanding of different personality, you know, to use that analogy, I'm, I'm, I ran, I've run the play myself. Nobody else is with me. It's not that we, 
they around me didn't want to score a touchdown. It's not that they don't like football. It's not, it, it's not any of that. Yeah. It's not that they don't want to block. It's not that they don't want to run a route. It's not, it's not any of that. It's just as a leader, we've got to understand. I call a play this way. Half the team hears it the way I said it. The other half, I have to adapt it for how they take it in. Right. And how they hear it. So whatever your goal is to get out of the football analogy, whatever your goal is, some people are just like, oh, that goal, perfect, fantastic. More sales, money in my pocket, I'm in. I guarantee you the operations fulfillment customer service side, they hear a new initiative as, oh, crap. A whole bunch of stuff just got dumped on my plate. Yeah. Because they aren't listening when I've told them, we've got this problem for fulfillment. They aren't listening when I've told them, logistically, we can't take any more freight into our dock because we're maxed out. Right. Unless we expand our hours on the dock or unless we bring in another warehouse crew or hire another delivery crew. So that's a problem. Yeah. And when you get pushback on that as a leader, it's all in how you handle it, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And knowing that... So my my final kind of framework on this, uh, and, and I tell everyone that joins our company, every new hire, we have a one-on-one early on. And I say, at the end of the day, I work for you. So yes, I'm the CEO. Yes, I'm technically the boss, whatever that means. Um, I'm here to make sure you're successful. I'm here to learn from you. I'm here to get your best thinking and your best ideas. And please know that anytime you contribute, an idea or an initiative or an opinion, number one, it will be listened to. Number two, it will be seriously considered just like everyone else on the team. And I am very, very open to changing my mind. Now, none of those things used to be true. Back in the old days, it was my way or the highway. Uh, I was not, I, I did not have that consistency. I did not have that emotional maturity to say, uh, you know, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to make sure you're successful. I'm here to listen to you, get your best ideas. Uh, when I started doing that, our company started hitting milestone after milestone after milestone, whether that's number of clients, whether that's revenue, whether that's profit. So I realized, you know, I am not, I, I am not the dictator around here, or at least I'm a benevolent, I'm a democratic dictator, if that such a thing exists. <laughs> and I really do work to make my team successful. I'm not here to have you to tell you what your job is and then tell you how to do your job. If that's our relationship, I don't need you. I just need an extra three hours a day and I'll, I'll go and do your job. I'm hiring you because you can do your job better than I can do your job. And that's another big aha for most entrepreneurial leaders is understand, you know, a lot of people uh, lose sleep over no one can do it as good as I can do it when the company is growing. What you will find out is there are plenty of people who can do it as well as you can do it. And there's a lot of people that can do it better because that's how they're wired. That's their full-time focus. That's their full-time job. And you start bringing in these people that are literally better at that job than you are. That means that you are a leader who can grow and you have a company that can scale. If you keep putting your fingers in the pie all the time, your team will resent you and you will start flatlining in the business. 
man, like I said, we're now 90 miles an hour in the fast lane together. Um, I, you know, I say often people, friends, family connections want to get something from our store. And I say, look, just go in. My team is better at this at this point than me. Yeah. You know, honestly, I think working with me directly does a disservice to you. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, there, there's, there's a little subtle, subtle thing in there that pulls out. Is this person just looking for a discount? Um, without asking it right, right. directly. Um, but really it is, but more so it is true. It is a hundred percent true. I would want my best friend. I would want my father. I would want my grandmother working with my team because yeah. they are better at it than I am, uh, consistently. So David, as we look to wrap up our time, man, I, definitely people watching and listening have gotten to know you. They see, um, see what you're doing. Uh, Fusion Marketing, Jim Fuse, thank you for tuning in and watching the 100th episode. David, do you know Jim Fuse? I do. We we are social media friends. We have not met in person. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, live live podcasting, you get to meet almost in person. Right. Right. Through the screen. But, um, you know, so how are you helping in your company, uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, consistently hit their targets, get to those milestones they want? Talk a little bit about what you do and then where people can connect with you. Sure. So we have a coaching and mentoring uh, company. It's called Do It Marketing. Uh, the three books are Do It Marketing and Do It Speaking. And then Do It Selling is the latest one that Jeff mentioned at the top of the show. Um, and we help and mentor and coach people around landing bigger clients and uh, better deals and higher fees, usually in the professional services arena. So coaching, consulting, training, speaking, anyone who's in sort of the business of expertise is the, uh, the folks that we help. And then the best way to get in touch is a lot of resources on the website, including the podcast that Jeff very generously mentioned uh, and Jeff's episode on the podcast as well. So doitmarketing.com forward slash podcast. We also have some free training at doitmarketing.com slash webinar. And we have our 37-page Do It Marketing Manifesto. That's a free download. Part marketing, part sales, part revenue growth. And that's at doitmarketing.com slash manifesto. So those are all some free resources, some places to look, some places to check out. Love it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure your process uh, backs up everything you said. Free resources, great ways to get to know you. I'm sure along the way, if you see that you're a fit, you'll let people know. If you see that you're not, I'm sure you'll let people know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's no reason not check out what David has to offer for you. I'm a big fan. Uh, David got introduced to me through Mike Capuzzi, an uh, incredible friend of mine and business partner, but really a true friend. And uh, I love David. David, I love everything you're doing. Go get his new book, Do It Selling. It's uh, on Amazon. I guess, and yeah. buy through your website. Um, so doitmarket.com slash selling. You'll go there, see what the book's all about. Um, but Do It Selling, that's his newest book of three books. Very few people write one book. David's wrote three. He's got 300 episodes. Yeah. This is a man who lives consistency, who lives milestones. David, thank you so much for being a part of this milestone, the 100th episode. Couldn't have thought of a better guest. Thank you so much for joining me today. Jeff, such an honor. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. It's just a really joy. It's a joy for me to be able to do this show. Uh, I had no idea I'd make it to 100. We're on to 101 next week. We're going to stay with great, consistent content, great guests, great stories, 
You're going to see a little shift as we turn into the new year. Deeper conversations like the one I had with David. David, thank you for helping me turn that corner. We'll see everybody else next week on Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life, and now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket method shifts you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition, into a market of one, so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.